welcome to Grace on the Go. This podcast is brought to you so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. This episode is a sermon from Sunday, December 6, 2020 called Rediscover Christmas, Peace in Our Struggles, given by Pastor Jonathan Dinger. The scripture passage highlighted for today's sermon comes from the book of Luke, chapter 2, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. These four weeks here in Advent, hope, peace, joy, and, uh, and then love. So this week, obviously, on peace. God's grace and his mercy and his peace are yours in Christ Jesus, our Savior. <clears throat> so um, I'm working on living nativity. So I got this living nativity. We've got like 40 people uh, all working on this thing, characters. Did I tell you we have camels? There are three camels coming, uh, uh, not this Wednesday, but the next. Camels, sheep, uh, angels on the roof. It'll be very exciting. It'll be great. I keep saying, pray for great weather. Not like God doesn't know our situation or needs already, but it's encouraging to me if I know people are praying (laughs) because I'm really nervous about angels flying off the roof without the benefits of supernatural power. Um, I'm a little bit nervous about that. So anyway, we'll put them on the ground if we have to. But um, so we've got a whole bunch of people. But the kind of really, to be honest, a lot of it's not all that difficult, figuring out lighting and all that. But the angels have been tricky um, to get the shepherds. And then because I really do want some angels on the roof. You know, I really do. Doesn't that make sense? The angels should be up high a little bit. And there should be a bunch of them. So I still need some angels. So, you know, help me out here. And uh, I need some volunteers. So I need some more angels. Lily, you could be an angel. You just come. So, um, and I'll put you on the roof. And so anyway, it's, uh, but that one's kind of complicated. Uh, the lighting and where do I put the lighting and where's the power and how do I get people through Lana's classroom window onto the roof and, you know, how do we make it so it's not slippery and all of those. And then when does that come on? And um, so it's tricky. Um, but what's not tricky about that is that in many ways, in many ways, the, the heart of the story of the Christmas story uh, takes place with the shepherds. I mean, it's really, really tender. I love the Christmas story, and we do some traditional things here at Grace, and we do have a baby this year, too. So I was really nervous we weren't going to have a baby for Nativity, which, by the way, 7 o'clock is still open if you guys are up for it, if you're in town. <laughs> He's always pitching for babies. Um, but anyway, the uh, uh, it's way cool. I just love it when we have... Um, when, when, when we have those. And so in, here at church, that's a Christ candle. So everything we do has some purpose behind it. We think through it all. So when we do the gospel reading on Christmas Eve, and we say, and the time came for Mary to have her baby, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And then we stop the reading. And then whoever's the acolyte comes and lights the Christ candle. And that's the idea, right? Light, the light of the world has come. And then we continue with the reading. And she wrapped him in cloths and laid them in a manger because there's no room for them in the end. There's, there's a reason for that. But then the announcement, and then there were shepherds lying in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night, right? Anyone who's watched Charlie Brown enough knows this from Linus, Luke 2. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And remember the old version? And they were sore afraid. Remember that? As a kid, I always thought that meant they were so afraid they hurt. That's what I thought that meant. They were sore afraid. And they were terrified, says the new NIV. 
And here's the message, right? Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, right? And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby. He's wrapped in cloths. He's lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a company of the heavenly host. Isn't that cool? Don't pretend and think that angels are those little fat things, little babies that run around with little wings, you know. Uh, a company of the heavenly army. That's what this means. The heavenly host, right? You know what a host is. It's not a hostess. A host is an army. There was a company of the heavenly host. So the marine military band and choir showed up to announce the birth of Jesus Christ. And so they were, and they were blown away, right? Uh, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom God's favor rests, right? That's the heart of the message. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. So that's our theme today. And I'm going to give you just a little background. Forgive me, I'm just having a conversation with you uh, as much as anything here for a minute. I want to put it in context because you're going to hear this story a hundred times over the next three weeks or ten. You're going to hear it ten times. So here's the context. Why in the world would the shepherds be the ones upon whom God's favor rests? This is nuts. They're outcasts. They're nobodies. I mean, they are laughingstock. People joke about them. They smell bad. They have to be on the outskirts of town. Sheep are stupid. I mean, just to start with. And so they're always getting in trouble. It's always a problem. And yet, for whatever reason, God uses sheep and shepherds as illustrations throughout his scriptures. And even Jesus himself takes upon himself the title, the good shepherd. So we are very familiar with that. But lest we think that shepherds and sheep were some kind of, um, you know, wonderful commodity that everybody was in love with, uh, let's disavow ourselves of that notion. These guys are nobodies. And when they come into town, people keep their distance, and they really, it's just not, it's, a, it's a month, the most humble of all professions. But here's the why. Why would God say that upon these shepherds your favor rests? Because we have no story. These are the only ones he announces it to that we know of. There's the only ones. I mean, even the wise men, the kings, they have to like figure it out. Right? Through the Old Testament prophecies and the sign in the sky, they have to figure it out. They come to Jerusalem and say, hey, what do you guys know about this? You know, that kind of thing. The shepherds are the only ones they get announced to. Why? So let me tell you. I, I love this. Thank you for letting us baptize Raiden today. Thank you. I, we live for this. And you know what's so amazing? In this bowl right here rests some Pocatello tap water. And yet we just said that God adopted Raiden into his family, that he offers him full and free the forgiveness of sins, and that he pours out on him the Holy Spirit so that he might have faith in his heart. You can't get better gifts than that. It comes in that water. There is nothing fancy about it, save that God's word and promise is attached. When you take Holy Communion, we had communion at 8.30. We'll have it at 1 o'clock again. It's a mask-required one. That's the cheapest bread you can find anywhere. 
There ain't nothing fancy about it. And that wine, I, it always cracks me up. People are like, oh, man, where can I get that wine for communion? It's so good. You know it's Manischewitz. I mean, I'm telling you, there is nothing fancy about that wine. But within it bears the body and blood of Christ because Christ has promised it. Because our Lord has promised it. And so in those humblest of all elements, water from the tap, the cheapest and simplest of bread, the simplest of wine, God makes grace available to everyone. Now do you know why he announced it to the shepherds? Because they're every man. No great shakes about him. But throughout Scripture, God used sheep, didn't he? All the way back in Abraham. When Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son Isaac, which is nuts, right? Here, here's the only son. You're a hundred years old. You have a son. Go sacrifice him to me. That's a burnt offering. Abraham's like, okay, off he goes. We learn from Scripture why he was willing to do that. The author of Hebrews tells us because Abraham knew if God asked him to do that, he'd raise him from the dead. I mean, that's why he did it. And then when Isaac asked that question, hey, Dad, we got wood, we got fire, I got the knife, where's the lamb? And Abraham's great, great word, God himself will provide the lamb. And he does, caught in a thicket, right? When God stays his hand, caught in a thicket, a substitute, right? A substitute in the lamb. And then when the, Egyptian, when the Egyptians have the Israelites enslaved for 400 years, it's the blood of a perfect lamb without spot and blemish that allows the angel of death to pass over them. And so we have the Passover lamb. And then later, as a people, they have the scapegoat, Another lamb from the flock in which they place all the sins of the people on him and then send him out in the wilderness to die. All the sins of the people go out in the wilderness and die. And then John shows up and points to his cousin Jesus when the disciples ask him, who is that guy? Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You get it? This is why he appears to the shepherds. Because the shepherds are entrusted with that which is the sacrifice of the king of kings. The sacrifice who is the king of kings and is our prince of peace. And they themselves as shepherds also, the leaders of Israel were called to be shepherds. They had failed in their duty and therefore Christ, the good shepherd, came. That's why he appears to the shepherds. So when you hear that story, please know that's why they're picked out of everybody. Okay, three things on peace that I want you to learn here today. Because peace is so poorly used in our world. And would you agree with me that we're in a time of turmoil? What do you think? Because, you know, everything on the political scene, everyone's playing nice. No one's in contention. There's no arguments, right? I mean, it's huge turmoil in our country right now. And so we're uncertain, not just politics, economy, whose businesses are failing, um, Will unemployment run out? What's going to happen with the COVID? I have people that are sick. What's going to happen? When will we see the light at the end of the tunnel? We're hoping to see one. But it's a time of great turmoil and uneasiness. And in the midst of that comes this word here in Advent. On earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. God's favor rests on you. 
because he has spoken this word of peace. So in November, my family went, we went to Florida for some vacation. We had bought this trip months and months earlier, pre-COVID. I bought it, got a screaming deal. So David and Teresa and I, we had, an, and I'm one of those guys who when it offers you when you buy the trip, would you like to buy trip insurance? I always say no. So I'm stuck taking this trip. I was a little nervous about it, to be frank. I'm like, do we go? Do we not go? Florida. So we took all these precautions, you know, and everything's great. Praise God. That was more than a month ago, so don't worry. You can hang out around me. It's all good. But we went. We go to Universal Studios, okay? So we're all excited about going to, to Universal and playing for a few days. And, um, of course, right when we're ready to go, Hurricane Ada shows up. So now you're taking a trip. So now every day, every hour, you're checking the weather and you're watching the radar. How's the hurricane going? Right? So at first it's this cool, hey, look, it's going to head off to the Southwest. No problem. And then like six hours later, oh no, it's going up North now. And now it's like, but it's going to go into, you know, Louisiana. And then it's like three hours later, uh, now it's going straight over Orlando, our destination. So we show up at this place like at midnight, I rent a car. We are driving through sheets of rain. And I'm trying to convince my wife and son, this will be great. <laughs> no worries. We get to the hotel, we wake up in the morning, the trees are sideways. I mean, the wind is 50, 40, 50 miles an hour. And the, the sheets of, and I'm going, don't worry, it'll pass. Anyway, you get to this spot where you're in the eye, you know. And everything goes calm. And it really it was quite interesting because we got there kind of a day early and we had a little bit of time. But it, you're really, no one's kidding anybody. You're wondering, can we pull this off? This is nuts. I mean, I'm asking them, are you closing the park down? You know, or what's going on? So you, then you're in the eye. And sometimes you're in the eye for minutes. Sometimes it's a day. It can be a long time. It depends on how fast it's moving. And everything stops. The trees are back straight. Calm. Son, it's interesting. In the midst of that storm, there was that moment of respite, that chance to take a breath, that chance to say, hey, what's going to happen next? What do we do? This is how it should be. Everything is right. It, this, is how, this is how things should be. And then a couple hours later, boom, the, the back half of the hurricane comes in. But you know what's different? And I had never thought of this before. I actually think this is a cool illustration. When, you're, when it's first on the way, the wind is just going, it's going like nuts. It's, and the trees are sideways. And then it's calm. And you have a chance to recoup, a chance to think, a chance to breathe, a chance to get prepared. And then when the back half of it comes through, the wind's going the other way. You know that about a hurricane? Then the trees are bent the other way. You see, God doesn't say to you that there will be no storms. What he will say is, I rest in the eye. I'm in the eye because my eye is on you. I'm watching you. You're mine. You're precious to me. And in that calm and in that peace, he will come. And he longs to restore us. And he longs to give us strength. Because he says, you know what? The back half of the hurricane's coming. But you know what? We're going to reverse its course. We're going to make the wind go the other way because you're with me. Jesus makes it go the other way. Jesus changes the course of our hurts, our trials. Doesn't mean they go away. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the trials, there aren't trials. But Jesus, out of the storm, wants to reverse their course. Look at what he says here to his disciples. Peace I leave with you. 
My peace I give you. I want to make a comment on that. So, you know, we say the benediction at the end, which is about peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. And then it's interesting because over the years, many, many Christians, Christians use this all the time. Uh, And in our tradition, we always say it at the end of services. But I have found that people often like to fiddle with it because they will say at the last one, I lift up my countenance upon you and I give you my peace, right? Or something like that. Or I get, you know, that kind of thing. It doesn't say that in the text. It just says, and give you peace. So I remember when Mike Selsey was here, because he would say, I give you my peace. And I, I went to him and I said, Mike, that's not in the Bible. It's not in the text. And then we had a little discussion. And I said, here's why I'm kind of neurotic about it. I don't say it for this reason. Because there's either God's peace or no peace. We have all kinds of things that we substitute for peace. I mean, we think that signing a peace agreement is peace. Is anyone kidded, fooled by that? Is the cessation of war peace? It's a ceasefire. I get that. But have people made peace? Meaning wholeness, reconciliation. You get what I'm saying? A couple can stop fighting. A couple can get divorced. It does not mean there's peace until there is some form of healing that takes place, even in the division. You get what I'm saying? Division between friends, a person who loses a job, strife or conflict. We can walk away from it. That's what the the shepherds did. They didn't form a protest group to protest their poor status in the society. They just went out into the fields. They just got away from it. They avoided it. That's not peace. And neither is the protest that, that, that fights for it. That's not peace either. The kind of peace that he's saying is this. So I love this, that in this case I had to smile because this is what Pastor Selsley said to me. No, Jesus says it here. My peace I give you. And I go, fair enough. Because Jesus says, I'm going to give to you a peace not like the world gives to you, but a peace that overcomes the world. Peace reverses our course. That's point one. In the midst of the storm, Christ comes to us and says, I will not abandon you, but we're going to reverse the course of this storm because I'm with you. Second thing, second thing. I don't know how many of you are old enough to remember Gary Player. He was a great golfer. Arguably, you could argue that he might have been the greatest golfer ever. Just amazing, amazing. He was often asked, how do you get to be so good at what you're at? I'd like to, can, Gary, Mr. Player, can you teach me to be as good as you? And I, this is legendary, maybe. But he said, it takes 10,000 putts to be an expert. It takes 10,000 drives. Are you willing and ready to do that? That's how much it takes. I don't know if that's legendary. But are you willing to practice that hard, to repeat it that much? If you will repeat it that much, Yes, you too can become an expert. This is a quote of his. The more I work and practice, the luckier I get. That's a great quote, isn't it? So look at this. Second one is this. Peace requires practice, practice, practice. Now, lest you misunderstand me, I am not talking about in order for you to somehow gain God's favor or get his peace, if you have to practice, 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 or you won't have his peace. No, no. He has already delivered his peace to you. What God would love to see in us is for that peace to be reflected in our lives so that other people might see the same peace which he has already delivered to us by conquering sin and death. 
and delivering his grace to us by his spirit. Fair enough? So you don't earn this, but you can reflect it. And so if you say to Jesus, how can I become so good at that? Like Gary Player, are you willing? I mean, look at what Paul says here. I love this. So Eudodia, that's a great woman's name. It means beautiful smell. And then Sintiki, which means kind of working together. Those are two women. And it's funny because you don't hear any, uh, any Christian girls named that. Do you? And here's why. Because in the Bible, they're fighting. So here in Philippians, they're gotten a big argument or something. They're blowing up each other. And Paul, and Paul's sitting in prison. And he says, knock it off. I mean, he names them in the book. They made it into the book. And so he names them and he says, essentially, stop arguing. Rejoice, I tell you. The peace that passes understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ. What Paul is saying is this. I love this because, you know, the the pandemic could easily define us. I do not want to be defined as people who hunkered down. I don't want to be defined as people who, uh, I don't know, who used an abundance of caution. I love, I just, that, that phrase makes me crazy. I would love to see phrases after the pandemic with a boldness of spirit. That's what I'd like to hear. I don't want to be defined by this pandemic. And you know what? I know there are some of you for whom it's, your circumstances can sometimes define you. It could be the loss of a job or an opportunity. It could be a diagnosis of cancer. It could be the loss of a, of a, it could be a miscarriage. It could be the loss of a loved one. And it could define you. And what Paul is longing for people to do is, don't let war define you. Don't let conflict define you. He's longing for us to practice peace so that that's what defines us. Blessed are, doesn't Jesus say? Blessed are those who make peace. And so Jesus is longing, uh, God is longing for us to practice, practice, practice so that it might define us and people might see it in us. Now, here's the third one. Third point. <clears throat> now, and I'm making no political statement here at all. So please, no emails, okay? I'm using this as an illustration. I found it very interesting that our current president, who by any definition is an outsider, right? Agreed? He's, he's kind of an outsider, outside of the political, pro, outside of traditional politics. And it was reflected in the coarseness of his language and the, the suddenness of his action and his disdain for certain things and so forth. And also his boldness in certain ways. He didn't have all that history or all that stuff going on. But isn't it interesting, after a generation of trying to get people to make peace with Israel, that three Arab nations who were at war, essentially a state of conflict with Israel, actually sat down and came to a statement of peace and mutual understanding. The the UAE, Arab Emirates, Bahrain, and now the Sudan. Now, again, I'm making no political statement here. What I'm saying is, it kind of took an outsider who had a different way of thinking, who said, so all of, that's never worked for 45 years. Could we try another way? And, you know, all, those, all the lifelong statesmen all said, you know, their hair is on fire. Ah, everything's going to, you know. And all of a sudden, you have this thing. I'm telling you, it takes an outsider to make peace. And Jesus is an outsider, the ultimate outsider. Now, I am not comparing Jesus Christ to our current president, okay? Please. That's not where I'm at. But do you get what I'm saying? As an outsider, he is incarnate. 
Peace is incarnate. Signing a document is not peace. Sending your kids to their room is not peace. Avoiding the issue is not peace. Peace has to take arms and legs. If there's a word I want you to remember from this Advent season, it is this word, incarnation. God becomes flesh. It is not a nice ideal. It is not a philosophy or a way of thinking. Peace is a person, just like hope was, just like joy will be, and certainly just like love is. Love takes on arms and legs, and he squeals with joy in a manger and in his mother's arms, and he grows up to be our Savior. It calls for a person, a peacemaker, who is the Prince of Peace, and who is himself, as Paul says in Ephesians, our peace. May we live in it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have any questions or comments, email them to podcast at gracepocatello.org. And make sure to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date on sermons and classes at Grace Lutheran Church in Pocatello, Idaho. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go.